We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. That gets a free stay. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho, and today we are talking about a movie that... I'll admit, kind of a stretch to say it's a sports movie, uh, but thanks to our Big Screen Sports Patreon group who nominated this one, voted this one, carried it through the process. Kind of surprised for me, but it's a movie I love. Today we are talking about Galaxy Quest. Danny Weiser returns to the show. He is one of the co-hosts of the Rankings Podcast, one of my favorite pods. I love having Danny on the show. Danny is also a member of the Big Screen Sports Patreon group. He helped get this one in. And I do want to shout out our Patreon group, especially our big chill producer-level patrons. That includes Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Drews, Chris Mikoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zachary, Class Saving Fire, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBoe, Dan McFall, Kevin Inkman, Mac Lindsay, Kurt Ritchie, Robert Dove, Andrew Teagle, Rewan Balagoon, Jeff Estes, Anthony Scaffone, and Benjamin Bauman. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting the show and for participating in the Patreon, nominating these movies, voting on these movies, picking what this show covers, including this week's movie, Galaxy Quest, and next month's entire theme, Heist Month. Patrons picked Heist Month. They voted on three movies. And we're also going to do a live watch for patrons on Heist Month on Discord. So if you want to support the show, if you want to get some some perks, some ad-free episodes, voting on movies, go to patreon.com slash bigscreensports. Uh, I also want to point out there will be an extended read on this in the in in the first ad break of the show. But Blue Wire, which has been uh, the show has been under the Blue Wire umbrella since 2019. Without Blue Wire, there would be no big screen sports. Uh, they have helped me. Um, were the first ones to help me monetize the show, help me make it something that I, I could keep doing on a weekly basis. Uh, Blue Wire has has been has rocketed since it started in 2018. Um, you know, over 300 shows on the network, a lot of, you know, incredible shows, a lot of notable shows. Chris Long's pod is on this network. I want to shout out my guy, Nick Deus at Veterans Minimum. Um, and, and Blue Wire is now, 
uh, doing a campaign on WeFunder, looking for another round of fundraising, but this time from the public. You have a chance to own a piece of Blue Wire, uh, get involved in the startup. So there'll be more details on that in the mid-roll and more details on that in the show notes. So check that out. And with that, let's talk Galaxy Quest with me and Danny Weiser. All right, returning to the show, he is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, The Rank Kings, and pretty much the steward of the Big Screen Sports Discord. It is Danny Weiser. Danny, thank you so much for returning to Big Screen Sports. Yo, what's up, man? How are you? I'm I'm great. Uh, we're talking about a great movie tonight, but tell me about The Rank Kings. What do you guys have going on? What What's coming up? How, how has Expelliagus been? Good. It's been good. Ty's back in town finally. So we're back to like recording things the night before, like we always have been. So getting back into that rhythm has been good. Um, Expelliagus has been fun. We're about to record our last episode of it. Uh, I guess we'll, our episode will be out, I think, before this one comes out even. And we're doing kind of a Harry Potter heist. So really, really stoked about that. And then it's back to business as usual next month. Yeah, I've I've been fired from from doing the heists over there. Which <laughs> we <laughs> had this, we were planning this one out, and it was like, I oh, mean, Kyle's our heist guy. Would love to get him in on this. I do. This is so complicated. Adding a third person sounds like a nightmare. Kyle's just gonna have to take the L on this. So know, really sorry. It's more of well, like a it's, it's more of a timeout than a firing. I think. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'll always be there for you guys when you need when you just need crime discussed. <laughs> but as listeners of this show know. If you want to hear me talk heist, we have thanks to our big screen sports patrons like Danny himself. We are we're doing heist month next month. They voted on it. They've picked three movies. We're going to be doing a, an exclusive live watch for patrons only towards the end of the month on Discord. So so that'll be fun. So we got a lot going on. Danny, you guys got a lot going on. Everyone go check out them. Go check out your Patreon has arguably better perks than the, than the one on this show. So everyone uh, everyone go check that out. But one of the one of the perks on the of the Patreon for Big Screen Sports is you get to vote on movies, and I want to I want to walk through this process a little bit because obviously this podcast was started as a sports movie podcast. As we know, all movies are sports movies, so kind of kind of null and void. But every month, the uh, two levels of the, of the Patreon get to nominate movies, and then I usually I pull from that list and I create a poll for all the patrons to vote on to pick one to two movies a month. Lately, it's been two. And typically sports movies, sports movies win, sports movies get nominated, sports movies win. This is the, you know, this is a sports movie podcast. Um, you know, Galaxy Quest got nominated one month and I'm like, Hey, I love Galaxy Quest. I'm going to put it in the poll. And by God, Galaxy Quest won the patron poll. The patrons had decided that this is what they wanted to hear. So tonight, Danny, because of the big screen sports Patreon group, we are talking about the great sport of space defending. I had no other, I was trying to figure out, I mean, you tell me, I can't think what, what is this sport that we're talking about tonight? Uh, yeah, I think, I, I think fighting, fighting spaceship battles is sports. If like Top Gun is sports, dog fighting is sports. It's Top Gun in space. Kind of, space you know, space dog fighting, space dog fighting. They I don't like really this. do that in this movie, but they kind of do like at one point, And I think it counts. That's the thing, because if like we were talking about Star Wars or something, it'd be like you know, like lightsaber battles. Like, that's a sport. Yeah. That's like that's like fancy fencing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, th- this one I had I had trouble. But yeah, let's go with space dogfighting because tonight we're talking about Galaxy Quest, the 1999 spoof sci-fi comedy 
The alumni cast of a space opera television series have to play their roles as the real thing when an alien race needs their help. However, they also have to defend both Earth and the alien race from a reptilian warlord. Star Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, and Alan Rickman is directed by Dean Pariseau. Has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, made $90 million at the box office, doubled its doubled its budget just at the box office, and, and God knows what on DVDs and, and the ways that films used to make money. But Danny... Is this like I I've seen this movie a few times it had been a while and as I'm watching this and I didn't I don't know about you I I I am obviously familiar with the original Star Trek series and the lore mm-hmm. behind it and everything behind it but I I have maybe seen one episode of Star Trek ever my my Star Trek is the Chris Pine movies so is is this this feels like a perfect spoof and reading through the IMDb trivia I was like this is a perfect spoof this is incredible yeah, uh, yeah. Introduced to the Star Trek series in the Chris Pine movies, I've seen the the most recent series on I think it's Paramount Plus, The Strange New Worlds, because Brian from Mad About Movies told me to check it out, and it rules. It's so super good, and so I was like, that "Oh, has, cool!" Is that a Patrick Stewart in it? Is that no? Is he in that? He's in Picard, which is a different series, kind of going at the same time. But this is a different I don't know enough about Star Trek lore to pinpoint where it is, because I literally this is the only thing I've seen all of. But I liked it so much. I was like, OK, I'll go back and I'll watch like the OG Star Trek didn't did not like it. I don't <laughs> I think if you don't have nostalgia for old school Star Trek, that it's really hard to it's like watching Doctor Who. Where it's just like, why is everything weird and plastic? You know, what I mean? it's age like milk. Yeah, it's like not great, but I've seen enough and I'm familiar enough with it to know like that. Yeah, everything that you could look at in Galaxy Quest and think that's not great or maybe that doesn't hold up is that way because it's directly spoofing Star Trek kind of perfectly. So, yeah, Galaxy Quest rules. I'm shocked and delighted that the the patrons (laughs) voted this one in. Yeah, and... Even before I, I dove into the IMDb and saw how many little parts of this movie were an homage to um, mostly Star Trek, but some other things. There's because of Sigourney Weaver, there's some homage to the Aliens franchise and things like that. But so many different touches. I was always familiar, I think, and I'm not exactly sure how with with the character, uh, with Shatner's character, with uh, with James T. Kirk, just kind of the the presence of him and, and kind of the bravado around that character and what Tim Allen is spoofing here. But it's incredible how much care was put into mocking so many little parts. And, and we'll get into it with the IMDb, but I would encourage anyone who has who likes this movie to go read it because it's really, it's one of the the few imdbs where i was just enjoying reading it i was like this is this is really really fun this is also a movie that doesn't get made anymore we say this a lot on on this show and every other movie podcast but if if there was a spoof sci-fi comedy coming out right now it would be on a streamer and there would be one recognizable mainstream actor in it and maybe some some a couple older notable actors and, and that's it. This has some of the most famous people of their generation. Um, Tim Allen is shit hot at that time. Like yeah. he has this and Toy Story 2 that same year. He's been on Home Improvement. I mean, he's probably one of the most bankable actors of the 90s, honestly. Um, Sigourney Weaver and Aliens, Alan Rickman, you know, once Die Hard comes out, he's, he's 
shooting off. Like it's a loaded cast. It's a theater theater comedy, main, you know, mainstream studio release comedy. It's just a it's just a spoof based off this one good idea. And man, this is one I wish that we had so many more of like it. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited to get to the the what is it the before more or restore segment later on because they're like there are a lot of ideas for this specifically that you could do and just a lot of like we got the scary movies and like all of the spoof movies that had a really big kind of heyday in the late 90s and early 2000s that i get why they're not made anymore but they're really Mm -hmm. fun at the time yeah i i think after scary movie three they just ran amok it got the the space got so crowded and so and fucking lazy. Yeah, it yeah. just got so fucking lazy. It was it started with like date movie mm-hmm. and all all those kind and they they just a lot of them just killed it. But around this time we have this, we have not another teen movie, mm-hmm. scary movie obviously, the the for the first 3 I always I always really enjoyed. Um but the spoof comedy is is not it's not picked up as much now and this one I love because it it's just so meta. It's it's you know let's take the Star Trek cast and make them actually have to do this. It's very self aware. It's very funny. Um, I Hall of Fame All Star starter Ben Schwarber. I'm saying as far as a as far as a spoof comedy, as far as a comedy like this is this is a Hall of Fame. This one holds up pretty well. Yeah, I'm I'm between Hall of Fame and All Star. I think I'm going with All Star. I don't I don't I couldn't. I mean, spoiler alert, when we get to the strikeout and three down, I don't really have anything because there's not much to pick out of this movie that is bad that can't be easily explained as, oh, mm-hmm. they're directly ripping off Star Trek here. Um, but I'm going all-star because it's just not one of my favorite movies. You know what I mean? It's great. It's so funny. The acting is great. But it's if I'm putting a movie in Hall of Fame, that it's got to have kind of one of those special, like like Little Big League, one of my favorite movies ever. Easy Hall of Fame call for me. Um, that's fair you might make i might be reconsidering mine because this isn't i wouldn't say this movie is special to me but yeah deeply enjoyable and just highly successful yeah when we we watched it my wife was just like that was good like it was Mm -hmm. just a movie i enjoy like it was good like there's not like you said there's there's really not a lot to say ah that doesn't work and i think it not to not to jump ahead to to what worked it also ages some of besides some of the visual effects which i think we'll get into a little bit everything else the comedy the dialogue the pacing ages really well this could cut this could come out this year and still be enjoyed the same way yeah i for me it's like the what scott Rowland got inducted into the hall of fame earlier this summer Damn great right. baseball great baseball player uh absolutely deserves to be there i don't give a shit about scott Rowland. You know what I mean? Scott Rowland is not a special pl- special like, to me, uh, but he deserves to be there. That's kind of how I feel about Galaxy Quest. Like, it's not in my Hall of Fame, but it probably should be in the Hall of Fame, if that makes sense. Anyone who likes this pod better hope that Joe Maurer goes in first ballot, or I'm just shifting this entire <laughs> feed to Maurer propaganda for an entire year. No more I'd movies, listen. just Joe. I'd listen, honestly. Let's dive into the IMDb. I it's a rich text. I pulled a few. Again, I highly there's it's one of those ones where there's like a hundred, 120 items, but I would say 80 of them are fairly interesting. Fairly yeah. all the things about 
about what they're riffing on. Um, the scene where Tim Allen is in the men's room overhearing how the cast of Galaxy Quest are nobodies and all the co-stars can't stand him mirrors an actual event in William Shatner's life. He discovered the exact same things about himself when he attended a 1986 convention, which is very interesting to me. What are, what are you like? What is William Shatner to you? As I mean, I didn't grow up on Star Trek, so William Shatner is a uh, kind of a self-aware meme of a person to me. Like he he's very willing to make fun of himself, and I love that in a person. And that's kind of what he spent the early to mid two thousands doing is like going on Comedy Central or whatever, and just like happily making fun of himself. So I know him as as that more than I know him as captain kirk which is probably sad and i think star trek fans are just shouting at me right now but no that's that's the exact same to me i was first introduced to him with my parents watching a tv show that starred him and james spader called boston legal which was just a okay network comedy yeah and he was very much uh, he was very exactly what you said very self-aware i the roast of william shatner one of the better ones in that yeah. in that comedy central run he is famous for doing these little cameos over the past 20 years really just kind of mocking himself. And it see if we're reading into this correctly, William Shatner in his heyday was really a lot like this Tim Allen character and mm-hmm. just very very full of shit. And so we have to wonder did William Shatner get rocketed up to space kind of like a, his own version of a Christmas carol of learning the error of his ways and learning to to make fun of himself a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> or or he just overheard people talking shit about him in a, a 1986 convention bathroom, which <laughs> named something more humbling than that. That's tough. That, that'd be a tough scene. That that in general, when you're watching, what what's your move there? I, I was kind of thinking about that. So you're in that you're you're locked in. You're in that stall. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he went to he went to take the the piss in the stall because urinals are full. Here's that guy talking a gang of shit about him, which like also, why are you there then? Yeah. Um, do you, are you standing on the toilet, making sure that no one can see your legs and that you're possibly wearing one of those suits? <laughs> I, Ooh, that's a good question. Cause I'm not super confrontational. Uh, I'm not going I, out there cause I'm, I'm not, not going either. back out there. I'm, I'm pretending I'm, I'm going number two at that point And I'm just staying in the stall a little longer than I originally needed to, but I don't know that I'm going the extra mile of hiding my legs and stuff. Yeah. And that's no, he's got no phone. There's no, you know, yeah. he's not, he can't, can't scroll Twitter to distract himself. So he's just in that stall with his thoughts, which is tough. <laughs> that's just, it, you're, it's a convention, a very small kind of ratty convention for a show that you don't even really like anymore, you just you like the residuals that you're getting. People are there dressed as you and still talking shit about you. That's got to be a wildly humbling experience. Well, especially because at that time, this is pre-social media, how often does he actually get hear negative feedback? Because yeah. the show's been the show's been off air forever. He does appearances everywhere he goes to make money. He's beloved because it's these convention appearances, it's commercials, it's because he's still clearly doing well. We see his house, and there's no bubble of like, there's no way he can tap into hearing about, you know, he's not a good person or he's not bad. Like here now, like I can read if someone leaves me a, a one star shitty podcast review, I can read that the second it happens, 
and have that that stranger ruin my day. This is probably one of the first times that he's actually been told to his face, or not to his face, but at, le- at least heard from these people. They're like, hey, man, you're you're kind of a fucking joke now. Yeah, and in late 90s, you have to search for it. Like, you have to deep dive into, like, really extra dorky forums to get that kind of direct feedback is very easy to not find but yeah today today you can't run away from it. speaking of one star reviews though do you have any good ones do you have any that are, that you've read that you're just like wow i've kind of made it oh yeah so um one of them so this is a um I'll, I'll pull it up now to make sure i get it verbatim but this being a fairly niche podcast at least especially it used to be I, I used to really only do sports movies and when i would mm-hmm. do a, a movie that was not a sports movie i would literally title it non-sports movie of the month or something like I, and now, you know, I've, I've come to realize that all movies are sports movies. Um, so if my niche, my, my very niche podcast, someone rated it one star and said, don't care for it. Concept is too niche. <laughs> very, leave. very cool. This isn't for you. Very cool. Um, last I, last I checked, I think rankings only has one, one star review. Um, and it's, uh, these guys like Daniel Radcliffe. Need I say more? <laughs> the whole Daniel Radcliffe is lovely. He rules. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's wild. I've only I've only got a few. Um, I, I just I just want to say, folks, this podcast is still rated. I think four point eight or four point nine stars. So no. So, <laughs> but if you haven't rated or reviewed yet, by all means, come and you're enjoying this. By oh. all means, block these people out. What um, a pro. This this one is good. So, uh, the the title is Why So Political. And then it's, I don't know why Chris Pratt being a Republican affects his acting. Why does <laughs> politics have to be blended into anything or blended into everything? Why can't I just listen to an awesome podcast about sports movies without being called an idiot for voting different than you? You were awesome. So that hurts, but it's, <laughs> Does listen, it? man, Chris, Chris, Chris Pratt's a Republican. Like I still, I still enjoy Chris Pratt. Um, also the user is Chris P 20. So I'm kind of, Oh, that that actually was Chris Pratt. It was actually, uh, it was actually Chris Pratt. Yeah. That's a, it's a shame. Um, (laughs) I think the last one I'll, I'll say before we get back on track is this one from 2019. The subject line is meh. And the, the review is just C title. I respect it. It's just pretty good. Straight to the point. It's straight to pretty, the point. I respect it. Pretty good. I, <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed it. This one is actually... So most podcast reviews... I, I'm diving deep now. Most podcast reviews are either five stars or one stars. You either really yeah. like it or you don't like it. This one is three stars, and the title, the subject is not great, and then the, the review is just meh, but he actually gave the three stars, which is kind of interesting. Like, he I, really thought about it. They really yeah, thought about it. I think I would rather have a one star review than a three star review. If they're going through all the trouble to actually rate and review your show, I think just I need you to feel strongly about it. I agree. I agree. Stand by your convictions. Um, okay. According to writer David Howard, the continuous melodic yet monotone voice of Thermian Commander Mathazar was an original idea that Enrico Colantani brought to the character. Everyone on the set loved this so much they kept it in the film. I included this. Because I think this is an it's a weird performance. I think this is an incredible performance of creating yeah. a character. I'm with you. I'm fully with you. It's so good. He is he is incredible. And I've only seen I do you is is this actor in Enrico Colantani, is he anything else to you? No. He's he's if I when I see him in other stuff, I'm like, oh, it's the alien from 
Galaxy Quest. Yeah, so he is mostly kind of a character like that. I will say he is he, he is in Veronica Mars, a series that I did not watch, but he plays okay. her father. It seems like that's a pretty recurring role for him. But he was in... Uh, did you watch Station Eleven? No. You should watch Station Eleven. He's in okay. that, and he plays another kind of bizarre person. And this is a guy who just gets really... He's just an asset. And in this movie, he's he's really good. It's kind of... Because everyone else in this movie are basically our main our main cast. Tim Allen, Rickman, Sigourney Weaver. They're playing these stereotypes and they're mocking these direct people. They they have these archetypes that they can they can pull from. This guy just created this weird alien character out of and and came up with this weird voice inflection and it's so effective and it's it's so funny. Yeah, it's exactly what I picture when I think of like alien that's dumb enough to think that this cheesy tv show is real life historical like that's exactly the type of character that i want i think he crushed it his face when they ask him about gilligan's island and the, those, <laughs> those poor, poor people, people. <laughs> <laughs> so good. yeah that's what that's one of my favorite moments it's so good um another this one, this one is another performance-based one. Sam Rockwell based his portrayal on Bill Paxton's performance in James Cameron's classic Aliens. In particular, his <laughs> elevated fear of being killed and his mental collapse upon seeing a motion detector that shows their enemy closing in on them. I love Sam Rockwell in this movie so much. Same. He's he's so. I think I think he for me is the the funniest character in the movie. He make he makes yeah. me laugh the most. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy. There's it. a. It's between him and somebody else that I'll mention in a later category. But yeah, okay. it's a two. It's a two horse race for me. Okay, I'm. I'm looking forward to that. Um. Okay, so I got some some casting stuff, and again, all the the Star Trek stuff and the hat tips, the nuances. Go read it. It's really it. They they were thorough. Um. Firstly, the the director who was initially t- attached to this was Harold Ramis. Whoa. I Which, could see that. That actually sounds like it would rule. Yeah, I'm sure it would. It's one of those ones where it's not like, oh man, I'm glad they went the direction they did. Like most of the people who created this movie, the the writers and the director are most famous for creating this movie. Whereas this would have just yeah. been another feather in Harold Ramis's cap. But um, he wanted to cast. So there, couple couple options for the Tim Allen role. He wanted to cast Alec Baldwin. Could have done it. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, Alec Baldwin would have, would have been good. Would have I, been good. Could have because just like Tim Allen, which I think we're gonna get into, can do the arrogant, unlikable. I mean, this guy mm-hmm. is kind of like Buzz Lightyear in a way. Yeah. Um, just kind of delusional, drinks a little more than than we assume Buzz Lightyear does. Uh, Steve Martin considered for this role. Yeah, I could see that. Also, could Sam Rockwell could have done that lead role, I think, and been really good at it. Oh, he Sam Rockwell. If you take him at his Justin Hammer days, yeah, uh, I, I think I think could do Sam Rockwell's fucking nails, man. He's so good. Uh, and Kevin Klein considered. Kevin Klein could have done this as well. Kevin Klein. I have to re- I have to Google to remember who Kevin Klein is. Uh oh yeah, yeah. Called Wanda Wild Wild yeah, West. Yeah, yeah, he's a that guy for me, and I I don't think he's probably is actually a that guy. He just kind of is for me. That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay, so this one I found interesting. Tony Shalhoub's character, Fred Kwan, was written and acted with the idea that he was high for the entire film. This is why he's unfazed for the events occurring around him and why he is constantly holding a bag of snacks. This 
was the one thing upon when I was rewatching it, I was like, did I miss something where he ate an edible or there was there was something? Again, if this if this movie wasn't PG, there probably would have he probably would have gotten into someone's edible or you know, had been smoking when the alien zapped them or something like that. But we're left to assume, and I don't know about you, I found it kind of confusing. Oh no, I immediately was like that man is the is the moment that I it clicked for me was uh when they do get beamed onto the ship and everybody's freaking out and he's like, What a ride. Anybody else? Hmm. That was a hell of a thing. Like I was like, God, that man's stoned out of his gourd. And I get it. Can you imagine going to a conference after conference after conference of probably people that don't smell great? And I'm sorry to play into stereotypes, but I come on. Star Trek convention can't be the best smelling place in the world. And yeah. people that are fawning over you and asking you questions about this character that you played as though it was real life. You tell me that you wouldn't probably take an edible or two before something like that. Oh, I mean, it completely tracks. I was <laughs> yeah. just, I was more... As someone taking notes for the mm-hmm. movie, I was just did I was worried I had missed something. And mm. this explained it of okay. They they were just, you know, may, I'm one of those shitty movie watchers who needs to be hand fed everything and can't infer anything. But my guess is there's if you dive deep enough into the IMDB trivia, there's probably a tidbit of this third tier Star Trek actor had to get a little stone before every single convention because of how tired he was of going to all of them. So they probably had some like fun reference about an actor who would do that and decided to take it into Tony Shalhoub. I'm sure the stories from the convention circuit are incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's incredible. Cause we're, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll get into it actually. Well, cause we, where we catch these characters is an interesting point in their life. Um, this movie is the cinematic debut of Justin Long and Rain Wilson. Oh yeah. Rain Wilson was in like the, I don't remember seeing him after they actually go to space. I don't remember seeing Rain Wilson really at all. Part of the IMDb trivia. He was in early in the movie and then he had to leave to go film a TV movie. And so he's just not really, he's not okay. the rest of the movie. He's just, just, yeah. Cause um, he was one of the first like four that were actually on earth with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which so makes sense. Just, Cause that is an alien ass looking dude. Oh, Rain Wilson, perfect for it. Rain <laughs> yeah. Wilson, uh, Missy Pyle, uh, yeah, is the the only other woman in the movie. And uh, also good people. Yeah. So Justin Long said he was nervous auditioning as an unknown actor at the time, competing against Kieran Culkin. Okay. Eddie, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Kieran Culkin, though, I could see it, but now in retrospect, it's just you. You'd just be much funnier if it was Roman Roy who was this guy. Um, Eddie K. Thomas, who that is, uh, that is Fitch or Finch from American Pie. That is the okay. young man who, who has sex with Stifler's mom. Yeah. And then this is the one that I didn't, I didn't get, uh, Tom Everett Scott, AKA shades from that thing you do, who is far too oh. old for this role. Yeah. I was about to say he's way too old. Yeah. He would, he would not be living in his mom's basement. He, yeah, I mean, but I do, this, kid, this kid being in high school and being very endearing and nerdy is is part of the appeal of the character. Yes, him being him being younger and like an age of where he should be makes him makes him endearing, makes him likable. If he's like a 30 year old dude that is doing these exact same things, then you don't like the character as much, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's 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 weirder. 
Um, They're it, only seven years it, apart, though. Justin Long is only seven years younger than that guy, and he looks about 30 the, years younger. Than Tom Everett Scott, really? Yeah, Justin Long is 45 right now. Tom Everett Scott is 52, but it looks like he's 62. So how old did that make Justin Long when this came out, though? Uh, Justin Long, born in 1978. So he was about, I guess, 20, 20 when they 21. were filming it. 20, yeah, 20, 20, 21 yeah. when it that, came out. That works a lot better, because that thing you do, I think it was 96. And Tom Everett Scott in that one is... He feels like he's in his mid twenties. Yeah, he would have been about thirty when it, when almost yeah, when it came out, I guess. So because Justin Long so convincingly plays a high schooler in dodgeball, and that's two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, yeah j- just definitely works better. Um, last casting one, Paul Rudd auditioned for a role. I feel Ooh. like you have to assume it's the Rockwell role. Yeah, I don't or... think he makes sense for anything else. I think he's, I think I he's too s- old. Maybe the Tony Shalhoub character, but he would probably be too young for that, I would guess. But I could see him doing that for sure. That's the thing that all the everyone besides young Laredo are need to be middle age actors. And so I I could see it. The Rockwell role, which I think he would have been really good in. But Sam Rockwell is one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Um, Let's take a quick ad break and then we're going to get back with what worked. Hey, Big Screen Sports listeners, Kyle here. Before we get going with your regular advertising programming, I want to touch on what I touched on in the intro about Blue Wire's ongoing funding campaign on WeFunder. Blue Wire's founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they work together. Blue Wire currently has 300 shows with former athletes, celebrities, media professionals, and passionate fans. For me personally, I joined up with Blue Wire in 2019, and without Blue Wire, there there would be no big screen sports. They've helped me monetize the show, which has allowed me to consistently put this show out. I have not missed a Monday in 40 years, which is which is wow. That's that's, that's wild. And without Blue Wire, do, doesn't happen. Um, they, you know, they've helped me with obviously monetizing. They've, they've helped me with strategy sessions. They've given me tips on growing the show. Uh, and they, they've done this for 300 other shows. Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to grow and operate the business. And now they are raising another round on WeFunder to expand their sales team and improve operations. WeFunder is a, a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. This is a way for you to get in on the action, become an investor. This isn't a this isn't a donation. This is an investment. This is your chance to get in with Blue Wire and supporting Blue Wire is another way to support me in this show. So check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back with three uh, three things that worked about this movie. Uh, Danny, kick it off. What what to you is is the main reason this one this one uh, works? Uh, for for nineteen ninety nine, the sets, the character design, the CGI, it's all pretty great. I think this looks less dated than the Matrix, honestly, which came out the same year. Um, Interesting. You you go into this spoof comedy movie expecting it to be like super low budget and everything being really cheap and over the top cheesy and it kind of is but it's done in a way that is on purpose and it's done super super well that i think it actually looks really good and doesn't look nearly as dated as a lot of other movies that came out in 1999 it feels like a retro star trek episode again as two guys who have never watched star trek episode but once they get up in the ship that it does carry that feel and i do think that's intentional yeah, and it's done in such in a way that's so good that does feel intentional and doesn't feel cheap. And so that's I think it holds up really 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 well. Yeah, especially because uh Saris was an animatronic and not mm-hmm. bad CGI. He wasn't, yeah, you know, he would have been helped. if they would have gone that route, he would have looked like knockoff Green Thanos and I don't think that would have looked very good. Yeah, making him practical, making all of his like alien subordinates be just dudes in costumes, I think certainly certainly helped because it could have looked really bad. Um, also, though, I'm a certified Matrix hater, so maybe don't listen to me. I probably don't know what I'm talking about. Really? Yeah, we've never discussed that. Really? Yeah, it's really not. I just I do not think it holds up. I think it looks. I didn't watch it as a kid. I watched it for the first time as a fully grown adult, like four or five years ago. I don't think it looks good at all. Is this because you've been red pilled? <laughs> Maybe. Who am I to say no? You know. <laughs> oh God. Um. What works for me about this one is the the concept. It's just original mm-hmm. idea, studio comedy with huge stars, kind of like we talked about. But cast of cast of a Star Trek rip off has to actually be has to actually do it incredible this could also be replicated in so many so many different ways i just i love this concept this is something that will always work for me no matter what yeah same i and it's it's my idea for the when we get to before more restores there's 50 other ways for you to keep making this kind of forever and for them all to be good and not feel redundant i think yeah i love the actors have to suddenly suddenly play roles or be be real life tough and things like that and there are other movies that have done it but this is one of the most effective ones this this movie kicks ass yeah i agree um i also i i really love all the references to the tropes of shows like this of like star trek type shows the one female character whose entire reason for being on the show is that she's eye candy and she literally has no other role on the show or her character the random scenarios they get in that absolutely make no sense like that scene with the chompers where she's just like this scene is badly written like the <laughs> stuff I, all the references to that are so good the uh her thing about reading the computer my only job is to is to just read (laughs) read the computer is so good yep yeah that and her jacket is the only one that's zipped down out of literally everybody else on this ship hers is the only one that's open because it's a 70s tv show yeah and Listen, on that, I mean, we've got a category for this, but on that subject, all I'll say is I knew Sigourney (laughs) Weaver was a kick-ass action star. Didn't know she had it like that. 
Yeah, I was I, saw I was movie. unfamiliar with your game, Miss Weaver. Yeah, <laughs> extremely unfamiliar with Sigourney Weaver's game until I saw this movie. Um, let's talk about Tim Allen because, yeah. like I mentioned, Tim Allen on in the '90s on a heater. He has put his his arrest for cocaine trafficking and being a snitch behind him. He was in. I looked it up. He was in prison when uh, Sigourney Weaver made Alien, which is funny. That makes uh, sense. But. What what is your favorite Tim Allen? Because in the '90s, we obviously got Home Improvement. He's Buzz yeah. Lightyear. He's the Santa Claus. He's you know in I think Jungle to Jungle and mm-hmm. something else. What, what what is he's in one with Jonathan Taylor Thomas? I think. Um, it, it's just the man is on fire. He's got the family comedies. He can do no wrong in the '90s, and then obviously now he's being silenced for his beliefs. But uh, where you know where you where are you at on Tim Allen? Uh, I, I I grew up on the Santa Claus. The Santa Claus is probably the movie that I'm most nostalgic for out of out of any movie. So it's hard for me to see him as anything other than Scott Calvin. Yeah, he is okay. So '94, The Santa Claus. '95, Toy Story. Uh, 97, he's Jungle to Jungle, then For Richer or Poor, which I am unfamiliar with. But then 99 comes back with Toy Story 2 and Galaxy Quest, back to back. And then it gets bleak real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah his charm wore off. Joe Somebody, uh, The Santa Claus 2, Christmas with yeah. the Cranks, 5% on Rotten Tomatoes, Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah. The Shaggy Dog believe he he's he's a, a like an animated dog in that movie i think yeah, uh I the santa claus three the escape clause wild hogs so wild hogs santa claus three the escape clause the shaggy dog and christmas with the cranks rotten tomato score combined does not equal the rotten tomato score of galaxy quest I'm, knowing what I know about Tim Allen now, I, it's not far fetched to think that he had this big, overblown Y2K conspiracy that just ruined his career. You know? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's really interesting. It's it's because it's incredible how how good a '90s he had because between Home Improvement and those movies, and then just how bad and everything else had. I mean, it, judging by all this work he's gotten, I think he probably has more money than God, but. Uh, it's yeah. career wise this this is about this is about where it falls off really but he's in this movie if we're talking just this movie he is he throws a no hitter he is perfect yeah. in this movie yeah i'm just i'm picturing december 1999 tim allen fully convinced the world is about to like crash and burn and go into an apocalypse and he's just burning every bridge and telling every secret secret he's ever held and like telling everybody off that's ever wronged him because he's like the world's about to end who cares and that is he's made himself a a suit of armor with gateway computer cow cow themed boxes (laughs) yeah he fully lives in a bunker at this point yeah. Um yeah, he's great. He's so good in this. Ripped, which I did not expect yeah. from Tim Allen. Did not expect a shirtless ripped Tim Allen scene. Tim Allen might have uh, been on that might have been on he's... that sauce. We're like post Maguire Sosa in this one. <laughs> yeah. Tim Allen might have he was yeah, this is hitting, the hitting the bench, did a couple cycles, got the windstraw mixed in. He looks great. Yeah, and good for him. It was super it super worked. Uh he's he's the perfect level of smarmy for this character. Yes. Yes, and that and that's key. 
we get, and we know yeah. it's coming. We get the payoff where he kind of sees the error of his ways, becomes the real leader. That We know all the beats that are going to happen in this movie, but I think it's yeah. telling to how much we enjoy the actors and how fun it is on the way there that we're not you know, disappointed that we, we know everything pretty much that's going to happen. But it's, I think he's at his best when the aliens have essentially abducted all of them, but his whole crew is the cast is freaking out and he is just a narcissist and he is loving this. He, he is thinking that this is a great thing, not because he's excited to see all this alien technology. He is loving this because these creatures absolutely worship him. And he's yeah, reveling. he gets to be important again. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's the perfect level of smarmy and conceited uh, for this. As are like a lot of the other guys that you mentioned, the Steve Martin type type guys. I think could have done well, but yeah, he's he's the perfect level of of conceited for for this. Yeah, type of it role. also works that when the the cast gets beamed up to the ship that the aliens we have had an off-screen explainer to Tim Allen of what the deal is that they've seen all these episodes and they've built it it's much easier for him to say that than for us to have some clunky exposition of them trying to figure out oh yeah. what's the deal and then they're like the historical documents and they watch the episode that i i noticed on this rewatch of that's a very nice touch to just let us skip that that's probably 5 minutes they save let's let's just keep us moving the aliens think that they're real they've made their ship and all their stuff around this show boom we're good let's figure let's figure this next part out yeah. then yeah i'm really glad we didn't get 5 minutes of awkward rain wilson being this audience surrogate trying to explain everything for us it would have been that would have been tough uh someone else who's incredible in this movie alan rickman so Alan Rickman this year. That was my last thing on yeah. three up. He's awesome. so good. And Alan Rickman. So this year is a big Alan Rickman comedy year because he's in this and then he's in Dogma, which I love Dogma. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of the Kevin Smith movies. Alan Rickman in Dogma is really, really funny. He doesn't get to cook that much, not as much as this movie. He is, inc- he is pitch perfect in this movie. Uh, just being that, that deadly serious, you know, the theater actor because – that's who Alan Rickman was before Die Hard. Alan Rickman yeah. was just a was a theater actor, was a very serious actor. And him being this guy, him in his apartment on the phone with Sigourney Weaver wearing that alien makeup is incredible. He is so deadpan and so good. My favorite thing about Alan Rickman is that he buys in. He's he's this classically trained actor, so incredibly talented, technically talented. Um, and then he just buys into the Hans Gruber uh whatever I don't even I don't remember any characters names from this movie I literally just watched it but he's wearing this stupid plastic alien makeup thing on his head for the entire movie and he's so extremely bought in and it just brings that character up another level he's so so good at this he is Sir Alexander Dane when do we yeah. think that guy got knighted because when we see him his apartment, we, we, we see three living situations. We see Jason Nesmith, yeah. Tim Allen's, which is sick. It suggests that this man parlayed, probably got a lot of Star Trek money or Galaxy Quest money, and then also parlayed that into commercials and things and things like that, kind of the same way Shatner, Shatner did. He probably did some mm-hmm. other stuff too. Uh, we see a room in Sigourney Weaver's place. Looks very nice. She's got a nice wardrobe behind her. Rickman's apartment looks a little bit underwhelming, you would think yeah. that anyone who's been knighted is living in some nice digs. He might have the worst digs of anyone who has been knighted. 
Yeah, also, I bet in the 80s and 90s, it was probably pretty easy to lie to Americans about whether or not you were actually knighted. That's a good point. Like, I, I think if you're British and you have been around for a long time, you can just convince Americans that you're knighted. Nobody's going to second guess you. That's that's a very, very good point. Very good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as last thing I have that worked is I love the music. The it fe- mm-hmm. it just feels like knockoffs. It's, it's, it's Star Trek it, exactly. It's another thing that leans into this. Yeah. They don't. I'm so glad they went with that. Uh, I am just so glad that they went with this. Is a hour and a half long episode of of Star Trek. I, I it's it's a perfect decision because they could have gone traditional traditional score and they did not. Yeah, it's the uh, hey, copy my homework, but change one answer so we don't get in trouble. It's that from Star Trek music, and it was the absolute right decision. Works perfect. Let's combine the strikeout and three down because, like you said, there's not there's not really I don't a lot. Have yeah, it's pretty it's pretty smooth. <laughs> um, I you know I mentioned Rickman's apartment. I just I had more of a question. Mm-hmm. We get our ending. They they land in the convention center, and Tim Allen blast Saris and they're like oh you know the crowd thinks it's it's special effects whatever Someone running that event has the the owner of that convention center has had an alien ship crash through. Someone's got to get rid of it. Someone's got to realize this is not at this planet. How? What? What? What is going? What is going on here after this movie ends? Because we see them the the show gets rebooted. They seem to catch some momentum, but what? What is this? Is this one of those things that people on Reddit twenty years later would be? This would be a YouTube yeah. conspiracy. This would be, you know, they've taken it off to Area 51. This this would be one of those things that would drive people on the internet batshit crazy. Yeah, I I think it would not be super hard to play it off as a marketing stunt got wrong. City of Burbank gets an insurance check for their ratty old convention center being destroyed and they don't ask too many questions because they needed it. Like, that's... That's my only guess as to where where you could go with that. That's that's a good point. That in the end, as long as everyone's getting paid, no one asks any questions. Yeah, no, no one asks too many questions. It's, it's, it's capitalism, it was, they, baby. They went a little too hard on the marketing and had an accident. Capitalism. Um, okay, let's let's go into the best scene then. Mm-hmm. What for you is uh, is there one that absolutely stands out? No, there wasn't one for me that really stood above the rest. I did write down for at least kind of one of my favorite moments, maybe more so than best scene. Um, I I love the moment after Tim Allen calls Justin Long's character because everybody's bought in. Mm -hmm. 
finally mm-hmm. there's no more of that this is stupid what are we doing this is dangerous i'm not really my character it's now just hey we have to be our characters to help these people and i think that's a fun you have the uh laredo is actually like watching episodes and studying how he used to do this and alan rickman is not I rolling his eyes anymore because he's a classically trained actor that's having to pretend to be a space scientist. Everybody's bought in and everybody's trying, and I, I that was a good turning point for me. Mm, it's fun watching these previously miserable people have passion in yeah. something in their lives for probably the first time in twenty years. Yeah, in a very long time. They're done with the convention centers. They get to feel important again. They get to feel like they're useful, and it's a good moment. Yeah. As far as some nominees for best scene. I mentioned the arrival in the ship. We've kind of talked about it for the moment they get beamed up. And that is more Al- just Tim Allen in his bag. He's just rocking because he's a total narcissist. These people worship him. Um, it, it's it's a fun one to go around and see what these what these aliens have built and you know what we're in. Most of the most of the Sarah stuff I could kind of I could kind of take or leave. I know it's necessary for the movie. It had some moments. The I mean the first Sarah's attack when. Uh, when uh, Sigourney Weaver, when Gwen is does the actual quote, I'm repeating the computer when she has that when she yeah. has that awareness is 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 good. I think my favorite, I think maybe the funniest is when they visit when they have to visit the planet to get that sphere, get the brilliant sphere or whatever, and it's that's where the most bickering happens, and I think this yeah. movie is funniest when they're bickering, mainly mainly Tim Allen and Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, yeah. So funny. Yeah, I, the, the back and forth, even when Tim Allen literally sacrifices himself to get everybody back on the ship, and he's like, this has to be about you! It's very good. <laughs> so good. So good. And then uh, that one, too, because that whole scene, Sam Rockwell is freaking out. That's when he when he's yeah. going full Bill Paxton. He's freaking yeah. out about dying. So that, that's that's enjoyable as well. Um, Speaking of Sam Rockwell, his character, you just all I could picture was him coming back to the show for like the second round of it. You know, like the Justin Long character is pissed because he remembers his character dying in the very obscure, random, minor intro to an episode. Uh, it's I, all I could picture is the super nerds being angry that that character was brought back unexplained. Security uh, was his uh, security chief, Rock Ingersoll. Incredible, <laughs> incredible name. Yeah, very good. Star Trek names that can double as a porn name, Rock Ingersoll. It's <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> uh, this one to me has an obvious best quote. Okay, I didn't have an obvious best quote written down. I had a very obvious best quote. By okay. by Grabthar's hammer, what a savings. <laughs> by Grabthar's hammer, what a savings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably the, the one single line that makes me laugh the hardest. I was looking just, forward to it so His deadpan delivery much. is incredible. Just, you can feel his soul leaving his body as he shills for this, <laughs> for this company. <laughs> yeah that's okay that's a good call that should have been my best quote i had written down it's basically it's not even just the one line it's pretty much sigourney weaver's string of lines in the scene where they're running through the chompers 
where she's like, it makes no sense. Why is it here? I'm not doing it. This episode was badly written. Whoever wrote this episode should die. It's a very fun because there's like half of Star Trek is that doesn't make sense. Why is that there? That's just there to put them in a difficult situation because we ran out of ideas. So the reference to that was super funny. I thought Sigourney Weaver was great yeah. in that whole moment. Another Rickman one when him and he's he's berating Tim Allen. And he, this is your problem, Jason. You were never serious about the craft. When he when he's trying to fight aliens, yeah, yeah. Also, the uh, when Tim Allen at the very beginning has to convince Alan Rickman to actually go out of the convention. What does he say? Like the show must go on or something. As though it's just this trigger phrase that could force Alan <laughs> Rickman to do what he wants him to. Is very funny. Uh, what's the most athletic moment in this one? This is one where we don't we don't get a ton. Yeah, um, I had. Uh, when they're on that planet, Tim Allen is picked up and flung by that giant rock monster, and he just does a roll and is fine. Which is like, he's thrown very far by a giant rock monster onto like an uneven boulder surface. He just does like a, a forward roll and is totally unharmed and does not, it does not matter. That That is what I had written down. That planet seemed like my nightmare. Just rock surface. No shade. So hot. No shade. Yeah. Sand everywhere. Seemed terrible. Yeah, no thank you. Creepy little cannibal aliens all over the place. Yeah, out on that. Uh, I had an athletic moment of when Rickman finally finally buys all the way in after his his the little alien who worships him is killed. He just straight up bull rushes an alien and seemingly kills him. <laughs> Form <laughs> tackles a giant alien. <laughs> pretty pretty athletic. Pretty athletic. Yeah. Pretty um, but Lenny Harris Pinchitter Award for best supporting character. Who's in it too much? Because this is a movie without many actual supporting characters. The I feel like we have yeah. big main cast that all kind of spreads the ball. Alan's obviously the lead, but there's a lot of people obviously spreading the ball. And then I, I look at there's really two. Uh, Tim Allen and Alan Rickman. Oh, well, I mean, I'm thinking the two as supporting characters because I would say Tim Allen's oh, in it too yeah. much. Sigourney Weaver's Rickman, in it too Sigourney much. Weaver. Rickman. I would say Tony Shalhoub is probably in it too. He's probably on the fringe. Okay. So Tony Shalhoub is who I've written down for my pinch hitter. He actually gets less, probably cooks a little bit less than Rockwell. And even, even Daryl Mitchell who plays, plays uh, Tommy, Tommy Weber, AKA young Laredo. Shalhoub is, is used pretty sparingly. So I guess it'd be between him, Justin Long. And then for me, it's, it's, who we mentioned earlier, Nico Colantani is Mathazar. Incredible, weird, comedic performance. Yeah, he was the one that was on the fringe the most for me. I thought maybe he was in it too much as Mathazar. Because he's in it quite a bit, and he's in a lot of very pivotal moments. That's um, a good point. I have, Sh- I have Shalou because he's separated from them for most of it. He's with the, the little scientist group of aliens, so he's not even in a l- And when he is in like a lot of the main scenes, at least in the first half of the movie, he's like on a TV screen. Yeah, it's really interesting because Tony Shalhoub after this probably has a better next two decades than Tim Allen Mm -hmm. or Sigourney Weaver because he gets, what is that show? It's not Psych, it's something else. He's um, Monk. Monk. So he he leads that show. He's in in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which he is phenomenal. Phenomenal. So, so good. Incredible. 
Um, I mean, Rockwell more than anyone, I think, has the mm-hmm. the next best. I think uh, I believe he won an Oscar. And him and Rickman for Harry Potter. Yes, Rick. Yeah, Rickman but... gets Harry Potter and then tragically uh, passes away. Uh, yeah. Man, Rickman was the fucking goat. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, newish category: Defend the villain. This I, one is tough. Can you? Can you? He just he just wants to kill people. Again, it's just one we don't get a lot of backstory. He's just like. He's kind of just space Hitler. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe just yeah. really angry for being being so green and ugly. There's uh, yeah, really... I mean, I would not be thrilled to look like a giant human grasshopper. So I get it, I guess. But yeah, he's there's not a lot of defending him. He's just which I appreciate. I appreciate a bad guy who's just a bad guy and isn't nuanced and isn't they don't try to redeem him at any point. He's just a straight up bad guy. I like that in my movies. He's also he let this get away in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um he has he has them all dead to rights. He's got Mathazar tied up. He's got Tim Allen having to spill his guts to Mathazar, which is actually like devastating. When Tim Allen yeah. has to tell Mathazar that he kind of deceived him, he's—I I mean, it's—it's it's what it's what these villains do. They play with their food. It gets you know th- things get out of control. It comes back to harm them. But he, yeah, he—I mean, listen, Saris Saris dropped the ball here, and that's it, a tough tough look for him. He also he gets two shots to 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 take out Tim Allen. So Tim Allen, they. They have the what? Did, what did you think? We we didn't really talk about the like the false ending with the omega thirteen, yeah. but he's he still has the chance to to take him out. He's still very slow on the on the draw. He could have come in there as Tony Shalhoub and just started firing. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of narrative reasons, but you just assume he's coming in. He's trying to stay undercover. He's trying not. He's trying to get as close as he can before he starts firing i guess i don't yeah he's i mean not not the not the most effective guy we've ever we've ever seen at the helm it's it's kind of that what is that uh that moment in austin powers where he like ties dr evil ties up austin powers and then lets his like sharks with lasers attached to the head and his son is just like just kill him yeah shoot him now what are you doing i have a gun in my room (laughs) i'll go get it yeah, Seth Seth Green in those movies is good stuff. Yeah, good good stuff. <laughs> um, Danny, we're gonna take a second ad break. We're now we're okay. now instituting a second time each episode to pay the bills, folks. If you want an ad free feed, patreon.com slash big screen sports ad free feed on Apple or Spotify. So let's take a and quick break. And you get the episodes earlier than everybody. And else. you you get them earlier than everybody else. You get some other yeah. other fun stuff. Go check that out. But let's take a quick <laughs> ad break and then we'll get back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back, and let's jump into the Peter Gallagher Award for the hottest person in this movie. Now, Caroline is not with us tonight. 
Um, she she's alive. She's fine. She's not on the podcast. She has actually not seen this movie, and I believe she also went to sleep early tonight. So no surprise visits from Caroline tonight. But I did reach out to her, and I I asked, hey, will you take a look at this cast and tell me what you think? Because no offense to any of these people, it's in the hottest cast in the world. No. There's one answer for me, and yep. we hinted at it earlier. Sigourney Weaver, I did not know. I was <laughs> deeply unfamiliar with you. Guys. Yeah, I just if it doesn't feel great being two dudes hosting a podcast and there's a movie where there's a woman. And you're like, yeah, she's definitely the hottest, but also there's literally like Sam Rockwell is the only other option, I guess, and he he's not good looking. He's skinny and weird in this movie. So yeah, he's got like, that he's got options. that weird kind of pencil stash too. And I think Sam weird. Rockwell has had roles where he's 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 definitely yeah. attractive, but I also think I could I could dunk on Sam Rockwell if we were both playing yeah. on a seven foot rim. Sam Rockwell pretty yeah. short. Certainly. Uh, it, Tim Allen is probably the second, which is gross to say and think, but I think he is in this movie. Yeah, I so I, I did reach out and Caroline said it'd be it'd be Sigourney Weaver and then probably Alan Rickman. And she made yeah. a joke and said, What if I said Tony Shalhoub? But <laughs> I Missy Pyle is when she's in a normal role and not a weird pale alien is is a fairly yeah. attractive person she's hot in the parent trap if that helps is I don't that not her that's not her no does she not play the hot stepmom <laughs> no that's not her are we sure i'm that's nine. not her it's no, a woman not. that just looks like her yeah that's my bad Oops. yeah she's in um missy piles in some stuff she's in i think she's in soul plane she's in 51st dates soul plane soul plane Holy shit, Soul Plane. I Soul forgot Plane. that existed. Soul Plane. Man, I, I think I've seen Soul Plane once. Weird that I remember oh. that Missy Piles in Soul Plane. Elaine Hendricks is who I was thinking of. It's a yes. parent trap. Who, to be fair, looks a lot like Missy Pyle. Rocket City. <laughs> um, okay. Well, yeah, we that's settled. It's it's Sigourney. They make clear efforts to yeah, it, it, it's Sigourney. We're 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 gonna move on, so we're not the creepy guys talking about Sigourney Weaver. Um, <laughs> another newish category: drinking game. Calling this one post game beers. This is really good. Did you come up with a drinking game for this one? I did, and I, I came up with one that I think does what good drinking games do, in that it slowly ramps up. It's kind of slow at the beginning, and then you're drinking kind of a lot by the end of the movie, which I think is clutch because if you go opposite, then you did you don't see the second half of the movie. Yeah. Um. I for my for my post game beers, it's drink every time you see like an alien ass looking alien, like not an alien that looks like a person. It's one that's a fully blown straight up that is an alien so when they're in their little tentacly stage you drink then anytime you see saris and his boys you drink then yep or the creepy little cannibal ones yes definitely drink then during that scene but not while they they look like just vampire people that's okay that's that's good i like that the rock monster is technically an alien yeah drink when you see the rock monster when you see the rock monster that's good that's good i went with with Grabthar's hammer. Anytime you hear by Grabthar's hammer, you have to finish what you're drinking. Cause I, yeah, think you I, get I was four about to I, five occurrences of it. So if you're sipping, yeah. I was like, if you're going into this with a drinking game, you shouldn't, it shouldn't be chugging a drink because you should have something, something gone from it. Yeah. Uh, um, or 
when he says by Grabthar's hammer, what a savings, you have to drink, take a drink of the cheapest booze in your house. <laughs> oh, 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 what is the cheapest booze? That's a good, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I have one of those like plastic bottles of vodka that like you like, <laughs> yeah. Yikes. I think I have one of those with where you buy like the really big bottles because it's like nine dollars just because you need a mixer every now and then. I think it would be that, which would not be that's, fun. That's tough. That's tough. I think I have like a cheap bottle of wine. I probably have a sub ten dollar yeah. bottle of wine. Which oh, I ex- I exclusively fine. drink sub ten bottles of yeah. bottles of wine because I don't I can't taste the difference. I'm I can't an idiot. taste can't taste the difference I, either. I drink three dollar Trader Joe's wine and I will forever and I don't care. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. No, that that's a good one though. I, I like I like those drinking games. I think I think that's got legs. All right, best time, worst time. Which character had the best time? Which character had the worst time? I think the best time is Justin Long and his character. It, yes, his hero is a dick to him at the start, and that's that had to be but devastating. It, no, yes, that's awful. But the second half of the movie, this super fan gets to exist in the world of his favorite thing and help his favorite character save the day. And most importantly, his fan theory is proven to be factual. It's like proven to be accurate and true, which is probably the biggest thing for a giant super mega nerd fan of stuff like that is when your theory that you've had for a long time and argued about forever is proven to be accurate. Um, Nobody's having a better day than Justin Long in that moment. That's a really good point. That's every Reddit conspiracy theorist dream Mm -hmm. just to be proven right one time. Just one time. Yeah. Just one time. He does have to take the trash out, though, at, at a very inopportune time. That probably causes him some stress. Yeah, that's not. I just. I think it's like the last third of this movie. Justin Long is having a much better time than anybody else at any point in this movie. That's a that's a fair point because I think the main cast has a bad time for ninety nine percent of the movie because Definitely. when we meet them, they all seem to be struggling. They're not happy to be at this convention. Then they spend probably an hour and 20 minutes just fearing for their lives on this alien spaceship, especially once once Tim Allen realizes that, hey, this this isn't great. I, I accidentally fired upon an alien warlord. This isn't going to work out well for me. So even in, really until the last two minutes of the movie, they're having a pretty bad time. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, even when things do look good, they are still actually in mortal danger. So how good of a time can you really be having? Yeah, uh, Mathazar and his people, it seems like their home planet has been annihilated. Uh, he lives his life in constant peril. He finds out for a brief amount of time that these people that he had based his entire society off have deceived him because he is a uh, very kind idiot. So that's yeah. tough. That That's tough. They, I have them as worst time, is that entire race of people. I, they put all their faith in these dummies who hate each other. Also, their entire race is being wiped out by this giant evil grasshopper-looking guy. Um, most of them are suffocating, literally, at one, for like a long time, for like five minutes. Yeah. They're Incredible suffocating. On these folks. Yeah, at one point, uh, I think it sounded like, or it looked like their actual base form is weird, slimy octopus-looking things. Like those people are not, are they're having the worst time by a lot. I think. Yeah, they're they're miserable. Absolutely. What would yeah. be the worst? tv show to base your society off of these people essentially pick star trek game of thrones maybe that's a really rough that's a good one it just because walking dead 
Game of Thrones, your society, if you're just basing your society off, because you can't, you can't impart the what's going on. Probably wouldn't be able to create yeah. White Walkers or anything. Or, or, but if it's, it's just like the whole circumstances of life are just a game of backstabbing and things like that. That would, that would be tough. If that would be one of the worst yeah. parts about living in in Westeros. Um. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty a uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking yeah. Bad would be tough if you if you watched Breaking Bad and yeah. thought that this was this was real. That would, that would be a tough one to to base society off. The Walking Dead would be bad. Walking Even if Dead. you take the zombies out of it, the way those people live is just awful. That would be horrible. Like we need to we need to. I mean, this is this is a Caroline. This is where we need Caroline. But to just we need to abolish like normal societal rules and just move from town to town and hole up in places. Yeah, that'd be. That'd be pretty shitty. Yeah. Not what you want. Um, okay. The Keith Morrison Dateline episode from this movie. This ca- this category is increasingly difficult to do if you don't have Caroline here to do a Keith Morrison episode. That being right. said, if this this would be a fucking incredible Dateline episode. It's more it is more likely that it would be an E true Hollywood story about how the Galaxy mm-hmm. Quest, you know, crew got back together. But Actors going to space would make for an absolutely incredible episode of Dateline. And listening to Keith Morrison talk about, you know, Ceres was an evil warlord. Uh, that's the See, best I, I can do. I think it's uh, lead actor from beloved science fiction series Galaxy Quest goes missing, returns days later, and is convinced the events of his show are real. Because nobody's believing Tim Allen when he comes back and says, it's all true. I went to space and I helped this race of aliens. Nobody believes him. He's a crazy person. And I think the whole the Dateline episode is about what he went through and why he's now a crazy person. I want to circle back to this at Before More Store. Okay. For sure. Uh, okay, roster moves. Who are we replacing with Airbud? Sam Rockwell. Sam I Rockwell. Think. Same vibes. Yeah. Um, the scene where he's freaking out when they're in the smaller uh, ship going down to the planet to get the whatever the big orb the down to the cannibal alien planet where he's freaking out where he's like I'm just an extra I'm gonna die. Uh, listening to Airbud and watching him freak out uh, that scene would be hilarious. I think. What if all the cannibal aliens were Airbuds? That's it it's adorable. It's a little bunch of gold retriever puppies. And then they just eat one of their own. And then eat one. Yeah. The rock monster is just a very big dog. I know I always go for the villain with this one, but Airbud Aceris would be good if if Airbud is good. is Space Hitler and he's just you know, he's just trying to <laughs> annihilate the annihilate these people for seemingly no reason. <laughs> Space Hitler is really bad. Oh God! I thought about uh, replacing Sigourney Weaver just because Airbud being like, I didn't. I my only job on the show is to be cute would be really funny because he's an adorable dog. But then I was like, I'm replacing the one woman in this whole series with a with a dog. That's not great. He'd actually be good if he was Justin Long, because then they're communicating. Yeah. Like, what is it, Airbud? <laughs> where Where do we go on the ship? <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that a lot. That's what. That's a great trope of you know, t- the speaking to the dog when you're in danger. Um, yeah. Okay. The big chill. You mentioned. I didn't. I didn't write anything down for a big chill moment, but you actually mentioned a pretty good one when he get kind of gets the band bought in after talking to Justin yeah. Long. 
Yeah, that's pretty good. What I have written down is, uh, and what you fail to realize is that my ship is dragging mines. That's actually that's a pretty, that's a, pretty good. I think it's the one. I think it's the moment. That's a that's a pretty good one because that's a whole. Uh, everything comes together right there because yeah. you've got Jason is bought in and he's actually doing something savvy. Laredo's driving the ship. Everyone like that that actually rules. I'm 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 big on that. Now, how Sarah got on their ship from there, I don't know, but yeah, it it happened. Yeah, I just assume it's one of those whatever the thing is where they're covered in gel and are beamed over or whatever. They probably had one of those. Yeah, you you get the mention that there was something like uh, the Alan Rickman says something about energy from Sarah's ship or something like that right before he he conveniently walks yeah. through the door. Um, last category before more restore prequel sequel remake. Now you said you had something for this. I think it's I think it's definitely more, um, and it's because so uh, just looking at Star Trek, you have Star Trek, you have Star Trek: The Next Generation, you have Deep Space Nine, you have Voyager, you have Enterprise. I think you could do that with these Galaxy Quest movies where the cast is different every time, but other than that, it's essentially the same thing like you have different tweaks you have different bad guys and you have different kind of maybe there's like a it you're both sides are aware of each other and they call on each other for help sometimes you could continue that going but i think you just keep spoofing you have galaxy quest the new generation you have galaxy quest deep space seven you you know what i mean like you galaxy quest explorer you just keep spoofing off star trek forever where you just it's just a different cast every time yeah so in the imdb apparently there was some talks and i don't know how serious it's got about a sequel alan rickman passed away but tim allen and scorny weaver both said it's something something they'd be into I think yeah, it wouldn't be the same without Alan Rickman. I think it would be rough if you tried to do same cast. I think it would be too, but I think if you did that, the plot would be something like it's been twenty years. They've been having to try to holster that this actually happened. They haven't been yeah. wanting to say it. They're now getting up into their sixties and seventies, and they're finally just maybe they're wondering: Did this actually happen? It was just it was only it was only two days. Did the did this actually happen? And then. Mathazar, who maybe Mathazar has turned into the the space conqueror now. He's gone. He's broken bad, and they've got to they got to go That's real weird. reel their boy in or something like that. But it, it's them back in space because everyone, I, I would say, Alan Rickman aside, almost everyone in this movie has raised their profile since this movie came out. Um, t- mm-hmm. Tim Allen is still Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver. We're at the point when this movie came out where they're they're never going to go away. They're always going to be famous. They're always they're always going to be something. Sam Rockwell is now an Oscar winner. Justin Long is now Justin Long, ex- extremely famous. Um, you know, some of the aliens, Rain Wilson. So it has legs. You would have to, you know, you would have to bring in new blood. But I, I yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't be disappointed to see this IP revisited. Considering how much fucking shitty IP gets revisited, let's do something with Galaxy Quest. Aren't they doing a TV show? That is isn't that isn't that a thing? I I could have swore I saw that Paramount Plus had picked up a Galaxy Quest TV series. Let's yeah. Here's a deadline deadline article from April. Galaxy Quest TV series in works at Paramount. Oh, okay, okay. Which I think it's right. I think it would be a super fun TV show. It'd be a really fun TV show. 
Yeah. I wonder, I mean, obviously this has probably been pushed for, you know, yeah. at least two to three years. The right. Galaxy Quest TV series project has gone through multiple other uh, incarnations since, including one written by Paul Shear and one from Simon Pegg and succession writer Georgia Pritchett. Hell yeah, I brother. also wonder if that, uh, if that, God, what's that, sh- the Orville, if that maybe put some sort of damper on this, because that's kind of what, the Orville is basically just like, hey, what if Star Trek was a comedy? Mm-hmm. So you wonder if that kind of maybe pumped the brakes on this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll I guess we'll see if the strike ever ends. But yeah, um, you know the the movie got us good. I'm glad that the patrons took it upon themselves to have us cover this. Danny, I appreciate you returning to the show. Tell the folks again where they can follow the rankings. What you're going to be up to? Yeah, follow us on Instagram at Rank Kings Pod. There's there's a double K. It's Rank Kings Pod. Um, we're back to back to our regularly scheduled programming now that now that Ty is back. We're wrapping up uh, Expelli August, um, which is our uh, Harry Potter theme month that we do in August every single year. Um, and next next month we've we're kind of back to back to business as usual. We've got athletes with Star Wars names coming up, which I'm really excited about that one uh celebrities that would be fun hangs movies that we should have seen by now so a good time regularly scheduled normal ass episodes finally for the first time in like five months well i am i am happy for you on that one Uh, everyone go check that out if you enjoyed this episode of big screen sports please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast rate leave your review if you're on apple Podcasts, especially so i don't i don't have i have more five star reviews to read out than one star ones like we did earlier uh, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash big screens. If you want to add free episodes, that's where they're at next week. We are starting heist month. I will you know, schedule is going to be in the Patreon. They're going to know what's coming first, but, uh, you know, tune in for that next Monday. Thanks for listening.